You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm sitting here with Jeff and Ken. How are you both? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Matt, how are you over in L.A.? I'm doing great. I'm really glad that I'm over Skype because I tried to talk all over your intro. But no one would know because uh, only I can hear you in my ear, and right now you are cursing me out. The so. magic of editing. Yeah, I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, Jeff, I had a funny little uh, story the other day. I, I went to mail some of our posters uh, to a couple of uh, patrons, a uh, couple of Savage Superstars on Patreon. And uh, I went to the post office, and I you know, put the posters on the scale, and the uh, post office employee said, how's Jeff? And I went, What? And he goes, you know, how, how's Jeff in the business, the podcast? And I said, oh, are you a listener? And he's like, no, I used to see Jeff in here all the time. <laughs> just like hanging out in there, Jeff. And what, it like, what's the deal? It really threw me for a loop because I was like, wait a minute, do I say I know Jeff or no? <laughs> I, I I try to make friends wherever I go. Jeff <laughs> comes into the post office with like Dunkin' Munchkins and a, and a thing of coffee, a box of Joe, whatever they call it. And if it was Boston, he'd be like, where are my donkeys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't drink, so that's like his cheers when he walks in. So, yeah. Jeff, <laughs> I'm in the post office. It's my cheers. So shout out to God, Jeff uh, is so boring. <laughs> shout out to that employee. If you listen to the show, I, I mean, I told you, you know, listen to the he show. He said he doesn't. <laughs> he probably doesn't. Uh, but thank you uh, for your support. Uh, but uh, we have two special guests here today um, who uh, do know Jeff at least uh, a little bit here uh, at the beginning of the show. Our first uh, person is contestant uh, on today's show. Uh, she is uh, a pretty accomplished uh, musician, a really cool band that uh, we're fans of, and I'll let her talk about that. But she's coming to us from Los Angeles, and that is an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, Sarah Gregory. How's it going, Sarah? Hello. I'm great. I live in Los Angeles area. Um, I work in an office, and I have a band, um, and I have a dog, and she's sitting behind me enjoying the podcast. So. <laughs> Always love when we have uh, uh, furry friends who listen to the show. Uh, what is the name of your band? Uh, Entry. Entry. And uh, I believe Ken will play a little uh, snippet. Yeah, I think when we break for the swing round, I'll throw in a little little song. It's some hardcore punk, I believe, uh, would be the best uh, the best genre to, to call it, right? It's a little bit yeah, of a mix, I, though. I would go with that. <laughs> a little bit metally, a little bit of punk. It's great. We might need it. I mean, uh, our track record of losing is, is pretty long, so maybe we need it to like pump ourselves yeah, up. Yeah, we'll use it as uh, motivational music. That sounds yeah, good. Like a training montage. 
Exactly. And <laughs> and speaking of training montages, uh, our uh, our host today is actually coming to us from Pennsylvania, just like Rocky. So he probably knows a thing or two about training montages and uh, you know punching uh, frozen meat. Uh, and he is a not a robot supporter on Patreon, and that is Adam Holquist. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, which is uh, the totally opposite corner from where Rocky is from. Uh, I'm an environmental engineer currently working in my basement, and uh, I'm also a musician. I do a lot of electronic music and other stuff, and uh, I host a lot of streaming shows here from my basement. And uh, yeah, happy to be here on the show. Um, I think I've got a fun game for you guys. Very cool. Where can, where can we find your music as well? Uh, my solo project, which is probably the best one to start with, is called One Wayness. It's O-N-E-W-A-Y-N-E-S-S, onewayness.com, uh, has links to all the stuff. Very cool. You might have to play some of Adam's music at another yeah, portion so. of the show, so yeah. that way we, we get uh, we'll the... We'll balance it out. Yeah, get the balance. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Adam, for writing this game, and for both of you for being uh, Patreon supporters. Ken, uh, we already mentioned earlier, we're going to be a team today, and since... We don't have a band uh, like our guests. Uh, why don't we just be solo act? Yeah. I've been trying to put a band together for like 10 years, but nobody wants to be in a band with me. It's sad. Well, let's, let's, put, let's put some open auditions. So if anyone wants to audition for Ken's band. Yeah. Just Preferably the in the Chicago, greater Chicagoland area. <laughs> Either Chicago or very, very far, like Iceland or something. Because yeah. that would be cool. Yeah, it's like just a... move to Iceland. Yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, Matt, uh, I think you're going to partner with Sarah. Any ideas on a team name over there? Uh, I think we're just going to go with the band name. Entry. Yeah. Entry. Team Entry. Entry. Awesome. Well, let's throw Mysterious. it. To, I like it. Well, let's throw it to our rules guy who uh, is going to do his best uh, scream and uh, see how it goes. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream, yeah, the cream of the crop. What do you think of that technique, Sarah? Do you think he was doing that properly or is he going to get some uh, nodes on his vocal cords? That was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I'd, I'd like a little lesson from Sarah after the podcast as to how to <laughs> scream without getting the, the damage. I would like uh, not even just for singing music, but just to scream in your pillow because of the depressive <laughs> state of uh, the world. So um, I do it every night. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Jeff, if you're doing it properly, you know, you could be causing damage. Yeah. That's true. Very true. Uh, Jeff, you're going to be uh, hanging out, uh, keeping score. Yep. Uh, at least the math will be right for once, so thank you. <laughs> uh, Adam, feel free to uh, take it away. We're ready to play. All right, sounds good. Um, round one, question number one. In the standard American edition of the game Monopoly, what is the third and highest valued of the group of yellow properties along with Atlantic Avenue and Ventnor Avenue? I don't do Monopoly. I really haven't played Monopoly in years, so I, I don't, you either. don't either, right? I'm a... I'm a uh, a big I was gonna say I'm a big non-fan but I was gonna say I, I, I just don't like Monopoly I'm not good at it so right, it's the <laughs> third yellow property let's say 300 okay 300 Drew so they... we are looking for a name oh <laughs> I, then I, we're I... in trouble 300 <laughs> Avenue I got one uh, alright <laughs> Neil's got one we're locked in okay oh boy how much Monopoly do you play a lot I believe I know this answer okay what do you think it is Marvin Gardens that is great, and it's one of my favorite Drake songs. We're going to go with Marvin Garden. 
Wow. Uh, I didn't even know there was a space called Marvin Gardens. Uh, I just I think there's one called St. James Place. So that's all I locked in with. Uh, there is one called St. James Place, but the correct answer is Marvin Gardens. Nice job, Sarah. A lot of Monopoly currently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't feel bad about that one. We we're never getting there. I sort of had to stop playing Monopoly because it turns out I was a huge <laughs> to most of my family. <laughs> That has to do with Monopoly? <laughs> Turns out. No one's surprised by that, Jen. <laughs> well, it sort of gives you permission. Like, you know, <laughs> if you just do it just, like, around the dinner table, then it's like, ah, uh, he's a jerk. But if you do it while playing Monopoly, it's like you're just a cutthroat Monopoly player. Let's well, introduce capitalism to the family dynamic. <laughs> I am the, I'm your landlord, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all family dynamics need is more capitalism. Uh, so question number two. In her 1983 book, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, what novelist, poet, and activist coined the term womanist to refer to a feminist of color? My best guess would be, like, Toni Morrison. Okay, and that would be better than my best guess of nobody, because I haven't read a book in a long time, unfortunately. Likewise. Goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> I probably get an answer about those. <laughs> I don't believe R.L. Stein coined womanism, but it's possible. Uh, Toni Morrison's <laughs> Goosebumps. Uh, Toni Morrison, right? That's what he said? Yeah, is that, sure. a, is that a name I made up? Okay, we, <laughs> okay we're locked in. No, she's very beloved. Um, we went with Maya Angelou. Um, we were wondering if she was a novelist, and I believe she wrote I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, which I believe is a novel. So I think uh, we went with Maya Angelou. Uh, well, you were both headed down the right track. Um, the correct answer that we're looking for here is Alice Walker. Mm -hmm. Color purple, right? Yes. Yep. So question number three. Garrett Walker, Elizabeth Keene, and David Palmer are all fictional television characters with what specific profession? We can lock in over here. <laughs> I wonder which one. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know this one, Sarah? No, they sound familiar. And <laughs> uh, David Palmer was the president on 24, uh, which is why I know Neil knew that right away. Um, so, <laughs> so we can lock in with president. Perfect. Yep, uh, one of my favorite uh, fictional presidents, uh, played by Dennis Haysbert on 24. We also locked in with the president. Uh, and that is correct. They are all fictional U.S. presidents. Uh, as you said, David Palmer is Dennis Haysbert's character on 24. Uh, Garrett Walker, Michael Gill's character on House of Cards. And uh, Elizabeth Keene is played by Elizabeth Marvel on the series Homeland. Nice. Now, I notice there's a little uh, carryover in that question. Are you doing a stream of consciousness question writing I, style here? I, I am doing a stream of consciousness thing. I, you see what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> so question number four, what real U.S. president was both the first president to be born after the American Revolution and the only president to speak English as a second language. Reluctant. I know I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. So we're probably looking at a president in the 20s or 30s, right? That makes sense? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I've, I've studied presidents before, and it, I'm just blanking. I, I don't know why I have this in my head that maybe Franklin Pierce spoke another language, but I may okay. be totally, I am not sure. It, it could well, be anything. I think, I think that time frame works out because what was he, nine or 10, somewhere he around was, there? 
14, I believe. Oh, well, that's fine, too. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe the other ones are all old. Before. I'm honestly not sure, but... I like it. We'll, we'll go with Franklin Pierce. Okay. And uh, we are going with uh, Martin Van Buren, who I believe mm. spoke Dutch. Yeah, I think so. And he also was the ringleader of the gang on Seinfeld. The Van Buren, <laughs> Van Buren boys. boys. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta look out. Old Kinderhook. Uh, old Kinderhook did indeed speak Dutch. Uh, correct answer is Martin Van Buren. What was their sign? It was just the eight fingers, right? It was just eight, two hands with eight? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that is correct, yeah. <laughs> Question number five. Uh, what is the name of the fourth book in George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series? It follows A Storm of Swords and precedes the most recent book, A Dance with Dragons. Okay, we are locked in. Uh, we, first of all, we think there's something seasonal going on here, and we can't remember if the book that he's working on right now it has to do with winter or spring. But we think it's spring, so we're going to go with Winds of Winter being our answer mm. as a guess. That would make sense if there was seasonal things in there. We could have gone with Summertime Sadness. Uh, I don't, we don't, <laughs> neither of us know, right? You don't know? No. No. So um, I went with what sounded like a book and also sounded like a mobile game. We said Clash of Kings. Ooh. Well, you nice. both named uh, books or future books from this series. Uh, Clash of Kings, I, had, I just had to look this up, is the second book. Oh. And uh, Winds of Winter is the forthcoming sixth mm. book, uh, which we're, you know, we're assured is coming real soon any day now. Um, but the fourth book, the one we were looking for, the correct answer is A Feast for Crows. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, is that just a book completely comprised of people eating crow? No, no, that's a feast <laughs> of crows. Oh, feast of crows. Oh, no, this is uh, this is six hundred pages of uh, uh, pot pie recipes. Mm. Ah, there you go. Hey, well, right. we're, we're eating crow after that last answer. That's for sure. Exactly. The audiobook of that is read by the uh, lead singer of Counting Crows. <laughs> All right, and after five, we are looking at a tie score, twenty to twenty for both teams. Uh, well, it's funny you should mention that. Question six. What is the vaguely autumnal title of Counting Crows' 1993 debut album, which contained the hit singles Mr. Jones and Round Here? You got to know this one, Matt, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, well, a, big, I'm a big Adam Duritz guy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I think it's a season. Well, he said autumnal, so maybe like yeah. something fall, like falling into you or... or falling over my dreads or something. No, I think it's the name of a, <laughs> of a month. Oh, oh, okay. So September, probably September, October then. I can't remember. It's, it's, I think it's the name of a month plus something. Until September. Yeah, something like that. October surprise. It's the name of my emo band. <laughs> <laughs> um, Red October. Wow, this is, this is tough. Yeah, I'm not a big Counting Crows guy, so I don't know their work as well. I don't, I don't mind your, your answer fall, fall into you because I can't, I can't put this together. Okay. Fall into you. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Neil is close with September and October because it's August and everything after. Yeah, I wasn't uh, getting that. So he was on the right track. Correct answer is indeed August and everything after. Sarah, do you guys do any Counting Crows covers? Uh, might have to going <laughs> forward. I, I think that would be a great idea. I mean, this is probably something we'll cut, but uh, I don't know if you know the band uh, Between the Buried and Me. I do. Mm -hmm. their, yes, we do. Their name is a Counting Crows lyric reference. Like it's, yeah. uh, I forget what the song is, but it's, uh, 
yeah, it's there's some line in a Counting Crows song that's like something, something, something between the buried and me, and that's where that's where they get their name from. Man, a between the buried and me reference on Triviality just warms <laughs> my heart right now. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, their uh, Dan, their bass player, went to high school with my brother. He's from Erie. Very cool. Awesome. Question <laughs> seven: The name of what automaker is taken from a Latin translation of the name of its founder, August Horsch? The word Horsch is the German word for listen. So what automaker was found by August Rush? August Horsch. No, I'm just, I know, I'm August. Just <laughs> August Horsch. Horsch. Uh, we'll get, we'll get the Dutch play version. Okay, we're in. Hmm. Uh, what do you know about Spanish. German cars? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so not a lot. Took Spanish instead of German, regretting that now. Um, um, my, my initial thought was Audi, because it says for listen. And oh, I think, like audio. Like audible or something. I think that, that the root is the same in a lot of different languages. So I think, yeah. and I know it's a German card. You want to go with Audi? That sounds great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are locked in with a lot of confidence with Audi. <laughs> that sounds really good, actually. We just said <laughs> horse sounds like Porsche. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's what well, we did. Uh, that Matt, was my initial Matt, brain function. Matt's logic was exactly right. Um, Audi, like audio. Um, correct answer is Audi. We're stupid. <laughs> We're going to take uh, the four rings uh, off an Audi and uh, handcuff ourselves to the table now for punishment. Cause... The four <laughs> rings come from uh, the fact that Audi was merged from four separate German automakers. Mm. I thought I thought the four rings represented uh, the four times Jeff tells us he has an Audi every day. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the four rings of hell. Of... <laughs> I would ask if I'm really that bad, but I don't want to know. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> hey, the post office guy knew you had an Audi. <laughs> No, I'm just, uh, how's Jeff's Audi? Is it still running? No. <laughs> Question number eight. Audie Cornish, Ari Shapiro, Mary Louise Kelly, and Elisa Chang are the current hosts of what news program? All right. We're in. We are in. We are in. I think this might be the... Um, um, so you said the name sounded familiar. Uh, this might be the the weekly like CBS show, like the round table kind of show. Um, but I can't, I also can't remember what that's called. <laughs> um, I know it's not good morning America or any of those kind of shows. Can you name any news programs <laughs> outside of 60 minutes? It's probably not 60 minutes. Well, it's not the situation room with Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> <laughs> Mad money with Jim Cramer. Uh, oh, who's, Line is in anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're not good at this. <laughs> uh, I don't care. We'll lock in with whose line is in anyway because I like the show. <laughs> One we, were, we weren't getting there. One thousand points to Matt and Sarah. Uh, the points don't matter. I Ken and I were talking, at least from my perspective. I knew it wasn't. Um, well, I'll let you start actually because yeah, yeah. Uh, these names really rang a bell, and I can picture myself hearing them on NPR radio. Uh, that's my usual station in the car when I'm not listening to a podcast or music. And um, I think it's All Things Considered. But, yeah, and uh, all, all Things Considered, I knew it wasn't NPR News because that's like Lakshmi Singh, Corva Coleman and stuff. But it seems like that could be the good good answer. So Yeah, All Things Considered. All Things Considered. And uh, Ken is exactly right. Correct answer is All Things Considered. 
Nice poll. I usually don't pay attention to the names of the shows that I'm actually listening to on NPR. Well, a lot well, of them sound like they're fake names, like two things put together. Yeah. I knew Alisa uh, uh, Chang was also on um, Planet Money, but yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot I forgot about All Things mm-hmm. Considered. Uh, question nine. The All Thing in existence since the year 930 is the world's oldest active parliament. The All Thing is the parliament of what country? Okay, we... Is this the thing that... Um... Starscream tried to steal and <laughs> <laughs> saw that one coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Neil. Um, I know this is either Sweden or Iceland mm-hmm. because it makes sense that it's a Viking thing. And we had this question a while back, and it was between Sweden and Iceland then, and I couldn't pick one, and I got it wrong. But I can't remember which is which. Right, and I think it's just a matter of which country do you think would have had a structured government earlier. Yeah, and I've been to Sweden and Iceland, and I've been to museums in both, so I can't really remember which is, you know, I can't separate it out in my head. So I think I might have said Sweden last time, and I was wrong, so let's go with Iceland this time. Okay. I hope. Um, And we had no idea. We had a really good discussion about Milwaukee Bucks, MVPs, mythology, and Full House, and just locked in with Greece. And uh, Ken is correct that it is either Sweden or Iceland, and the correct answer is Iceland. All right. Good. There you go. I didn't do it twice. (laughs) Congrats. I remember remember it being, like, really bad that I missed it last time. And I think the reason was because we just went to Iceland. Or... <laughs> I, I have no recollection of any of that, so I'm just glad that at least you had a an in because I was with Matt and Sarah. I, I first said Greece, and I had no idea. Question number 10, last question of the round. In 2020, Hildur Guthnadotir became the first Icelander to win an Academy Award, winning the award for Best Original Score for her score for what film? We can lock in over here. Oh, geez. 2020, so it would be a 2019 movie, right? That's how that works? Correct. Usually. Okay. What did I see in 2019? Captain Marvel? Uh, Yeah, we saw that together. Yeah. Do you think this could be Parasite? Was that a 2019 movie? It won a lot of things, and it was foreign. Yeah. I feel like I didn't watch movies until I was forced to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same here. Do you want to lock in with Parasite? Sure. Okay. Yep, I know a lot of people uh, with this movie either love it or hate it, um, but one thing was clear. uh, The score was very well done, uh, and that would be for Joker. That's what we locked in with. Uh, Locked in very quickly, and the correct answer is Joker. Well, Neil knew the answer to that question, and he got what he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points. Yeah, he also points. Uh, also won the um, the Emmy for best original score for Chernobyl. So it was a pretty good year for Hildur. Yeah. Yes. And, and I'm going to do something I never do is just drop a fun fact here. Okay. Which I found out on Jeopardy is Iceland is introducing gender neutral last name suffixes now which is cool oh that's cool and it's uh burr, son, i believe daughter. yeah instead of son or daughter it'll be burr that's very cool jeff how are we looking after one round here i think it's pretty close still it is pretty close it was actually 40 to 40 going into question 10 but with that last one you guys pulled ahead it is 50 for team solo and uh, team entry with 40 awesome and i do want to say sarah originally 
reached out, I believe, on Twitter, or, or we saw uh, that you mentioned us uh, in an article or in an interview, which was really awesome. So if you'd like to uh, you know, interact with us on social media, you can go to at TrivialityPod uh, on Instagram or Twitter. We also have a private Discord now if, uh, if you like a non-Facebook option. But Sarah, was that right? I think you first hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. So it worked out. So Sarah said hi on Twitter, and now she's on the show and probably going to beat us today. So it's it, it all works out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Adam, uh, the vote of confidence. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Adam, what, what do you have in store for us uh, with the swing round today? Uh, so for the swing round, I've got a swing round about jokers. Ooh. Now, do we have to answer these questions uh, dancing down a flight of stairs? Uh, no, that's not necessary. I mean, it'll make a great visual, which is always good for podcasts. But um, yeah. Optional. All right. Question number one. The name of the playing card, the Joker, gets its name from the German word for what card game? Question number two. What critically panned 1996 film starring John Cryer takes its title from a nonsensical lyric from the Steve Miller Band song, The Joker? Question number three. Joker and the Thief is a 2006 single and film soundtrack staple by what Australian band? Question number four. The Joker is a nickname for what Serbian tennis pro currently ranked number one in the world by the ATP? Question number five. Matthew Modine stars as private JT Joker Davis in what 1987 Stanley Kubrick film? Question number six. The Joker is a steel roller coaster found at the Texas, New England, Great Adventure, and Great America locations of what amusement park? Question number seven. The TV game show The Joker's Wild had a 2017 revival on TBS hosted by what hip-hop star? Question number eight. Joker Marchant Stadium in Lakeland, Florida is the spring training home of what Major League Baseball team? Question number nine. From 1982 to 1993, Dick Clark hosted TV's bloopers and practical jokes alongside what longtime TV sidekick and pitchman? Question number 10 for your dancing pleasure. The famous Joker stairs, as seen in the 2019 film Joker, connect Shakespeare and Anderson Avenues at West 167th Street in what New York City borough? All right. As we consider these, let us listen to the sweet and soothing sounds of entry. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there. I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we are back. I hope you enjoyed that music from Entry, and uh, we have our answers. So let's get the questions one more time, please. Question number one, the name of the playing card, the Joker, gets its name from the German word for what card game? Yeah, I believe they mentioned this on the episode uh, of Misinformation where they talked about this game, and we locked in with Euchre. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, we had no idea. We just said the German game uh, Scat, which I know uses a joker. Uh, the German word is Euchrespiel. Correct answer is Euchre. Mm. Question number two. What critically panned 1996 film starring John Cryer takes its title from a nonsensical lyric from the Steve Miller Band song The Joker? Uh, I originally thought this was the Pomplamoose of Love, but uh, Neil corrected me. <laughs> By the right. <laughs> Yep, uh, we locked in with the Pompatus of Love. Oh boy, we are not doing well. Uh, <laughs> just named a 96 movie that was critically panned and said Mars Attacks. Uh, correct answer is the Pompatus of Love. Question number three, Joker and the Thief is a 2006 single and film soundtrack staple by what Australian band? Uh, pretty sure this is Wolf Mother. Uh, yeah, I'm also pretty sure it's Wolf Mother, but we didn't know that, so we said in excess. Uh correct answer is wolf mother question number four the joker is a nickname for what serbian tennis pro currently ranked number one in the world by the atp for some reason my brain uh, would not give me the first name but i believe it is Djokovic. that's what we locked in with uh yeah so thank you for throwing me a sports bone there and uh, we also locked in with Djokovic. correct answer is novak Djokovic. yep Question number five, Matthew Modine stars as private J.T. Joker Davis in what 1987 Stanley Kubrick film? Uh, yep, we were sure this is Full Metal Jacket. Mm. That sounds right. So we said Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was 79. Yeah, I think that's 79, and that's uh, that's Francis Ford Coppola. Yep. Not Kubrick. Uh, yeah, it is indeed Full Metal Jacket. The horror. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> Sarah is just uh, doing the thousand-yard stare to Matt right now in anger. Listen, it's it's early here, okay? <laughs> it's, early, it's early day. It's true. The Joker is a steel roller coaster found at the Texas, New England, Great Adventure, and Great America locations of what amusement park? Uh, luckily, one of these is nearby us, so we said Six Flags. Uh, Sarah, what did we say for this one? I believe Six Flags. Hey. Six Flags. <laughs> Uh, question number seven: The game show, the TV game show, The Joker's Wild, had a 2017 revival on TBS, hosted by what hip hop star? Yep, we went with S N O P D O G Snoop Dogg. We went with the ladies love cool jokers. Oh, cool Jokers, but correct answer is indeed Snoop Dogg. 
Question number eight. Joker Marchant Stadium in Lakeland, Florida, is the spring training home of what Major League Baseball team? Finally, we had no idea on this one, uh, so we guessed a team from your home state, and we said the Pirates. Mm. Uh, we continued to have no idea on this one as well, and uh, we went with the Yankees. Um, my my Pirates play in Bradenton, Florida. Um, this is the Detroit Tigers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Question number nine. From 1982 to 1993, Dick Clark hosted TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes alongside what longtime TV sidekick and pitchman? When thinking of uh, sidekicks during that era, we thought uh, there was none more famous than Ed McMahon. Mm. I originally thought it was Baby Ryan Seacrest, but Sarah, what did we say? <laughs> Ed McMahon. Uh, correct answer is indeed Ed McMahon. And question 10, the famous Joker stairs, as seen in the 2019 film Joker, connect Shakespeare and Anderson Avenues at West 167th Street in what New York City borough? There were some great stories about this. Uh, people would go to take their picture on the long staircase and try and reenact from the movie, but uh, people from this neighborhood didn't like that, so they would throw things at them and yell at them to get off their staircase, and we went with <laughs> the Bronx. That seems like a Bronx move, and we did lock in with the Bronx. Uh, correct answer is the Bronx. All right, and after the swing round, both teams uh, did add to their scores. Entry added 20, bringing their score up to 60, but the real winner of today's swing round, Team Solo, adding 45, bringing their score Ooh. to 95. Very nice. All right, that was much thanks to Neil. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it was right in my wheelhouse. Uh, it was great questions that uh, I was actually able to answer, so it made me feel good. Round two, question number one. In December of 2020, an 81-year-old British man named William Shakespeare was the second person in the world to do what? Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah, that's great. Okay. All right. We are going to lock in over here. Ooh, do you know this one? I no. don't. I had That didn't hit my radar at all. So it definitely did because it blew up on Twitter because obviously it's funny um, that a man named William Shakespeare did something. I can't remember. So what would be happening in December of 2020? Uh, oh, you know what? I Would it be potentially get the, would the, there be vaccines at that time? Do you think he might've been the second person to get the COVID vaccine? It's, you know what? It's possible because they got it first in Britain. Yeah. You want to lock in with that? That's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're locking in with the COVID vaccine. Uh, yes. So, um, we had a very similar conversation, and uh, we thought that uh, if he was the second person to achieve something, uh, maybe along with the first person, that they would be uh, two gentlemen of Corona. So we also said the uh, COVID vaccine. And you are both correct. He was the second person to receive the COVID vaccine. Question number two. One of the first celebrities to die of COVID-19 was Cameroonian Afrobeat star Manu Dibango. His 1972 single, Soul Makosa, was a number 35 hit in the U.S., but gained more attention and sparked a large lawsuit when it was borrowed in a 1983 top 10 single by what American artist? I think it might, my, my first thought was potentially Blondie, because I noticed she kind of like took from hip hop and that kind of culture. Um, it's possible that I think she might have been sued, but that might that might have been later too. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm blank. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I don't think that this was a 
Debbie Gibson song. I don't know. My eighties is like anything in the eighties could happen at any time in the eighties for me. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you want to just lock in with Blondie? Sure. That's fine. okay. Locked in. It's funny. Matt's talking about Debbie Gibson because when, uh, when we worked together and there was blended drinks, he would always sing Shake Your Love when he was making the, the shakes. <laughs> um, Ken and I had talked. Um, there's probably a more obvious answer than this, but we know that, you know, Rick James, a lot of his songs seem to be uh, samples. So uh, we went with Rick James. Um, Rick James, a good thought. This is uh, this is Michael Jackson. Uh, this is the end bit from uh, Wanna Be Starting Something, the Mama Say, Mama Say, Mama Kosa thing. Mm. I think Jeff uh, Jeff knew that one. Maybe he's he's kind of nodding right now. So yeah. So that's uh, that's Sol Makosa by Manu Dibango, which made him probably more money than he uh, made from his own recording. <laughs> Question number three: Michael Jackson was born in Gary, Indiana. The area surrounding Gary is one of two parts of Indiana in the Central Time Zone. The other is an area in the southwest corner of the state, surrounding what third largest Indiana city? Okay. All right. We'll lock in. All right. So what do you know about cities in Indiana? I, I think the extra people might be for college. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Bunch, a bunch of Irishmen, doing? probably. A large yeah. Irish population. Uh, so I, I think Indianapolis is number one, right? Yeah. And I think so, Bloomington would be up there, probably. Yeah. So, and then South and like, Bend is the one that he's talking about. Right. Is Notre it? Dame. Is, what is the? Was it? Um, you said Southwest. Yeah, Southwest corner. I don't know. I would maybe say Bloomington. I I hate Indiana. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I've been there too many times. No but comment. the geography of it, I'm not sure. But I feel like South Bend is in the Northeast. Am yeah. I wrong? It, it, well, yeah, because it's kind of Chicago's college town, so they kind of take it as their yeah. school. So I think it's got to be closer to Chicago. So you said Bloomington. That's I would just go maybe Bloomington, but th- there could be something I'm missing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, and then I know Hammond's really big, but I don't think it's bigger than any of those. Uh, what about Muncie? Favorite Muncie. vacationing spot of Jerry Gergich. <laughs> I've been there also. That's where you can buy a lot of fireworks, I believe. They got a bunch of fireworks factories. Um, so shout out to our Indiana listeners who are probably like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> uh, we could, we'll lock in with Bloomington then. All right. Uh, we had a similar discussion. Um, we have some family in Valparaiso, which I think is a pretty big town, um, but I don't believe it is far enough from Chicago to, um, actually, no, it is, it, it does have a different time zone. Anyway, um, I just took a clue from his question of the Southwest and thought maybe that, uh, you know, goes into South Bend where Notre Dame is. So we locked in with South Bend. Uh, yeah, unfortunately it's not either of the, uh, <laughs> college towns. Um, this is just a Indiana town that has people because it's an Indiana town that has people. Um, third largest city in Indiana is Evansville. Oh, oh. Hmm. Uh, number two, by the way, is Fort Wayne. Oh, I, I forgot oh, about Fort Wayne. No one even said Fort Wayne. <laughs> yeah, it's bigger than you think, Fort Wayne. Question number four. Chris Evans is best known for portraying Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. But his first Marvel role was as what character in the 2005 film Fantastic Four? We can lock in over here. Um, I think he was just 
uh, Mr. Fantastic. I think that's his name, right, in the movie? Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen that movie since it came out. <laughs> well, there's because there's rumors that somebody might be playing him in a Marvel Cinematic TV show that I won't give spoilers for. <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's Reed Richards is the name of the character. I think um, that's the the main guy from Fantastic Four. Do you, you want to lock in with that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll say Reed Richards. I think Reed Richards is a little bit older uh, character. Yeah, I think they stretched themselves a little too thin on that uh, yeah. guess. Um, yeah, this one, it's, his name's funny because his character name is one type of uh, phenomenon. Potential whatever. superpower. Superpower, but his actual powers have nothing to do with a storm. But uh, we locked in with uh, the Human Torch or uh, Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the correct answer is the Human Torch, a.k.a. Johnny Storm. Now, if it was a storm of fire, that's pretty intimidating. Yeah. Question number five. The Olympic torch relay, something that's meant to feel like an ancient tradition, but it's not. The relay was first created for the 1936 Summer Olympics in what city? Do you know? I, I, have, a, I have a good guess. Okay, so my, so my initial thought was that this is potentially the Olympic Games... Um, where Jesse Owens beat the German sprinters. So, and I think that was in Germany. Um, Jesse Owens think, fought Hitler, right? Yeah, he punched him square in the face. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Very good. Uh, even though he had the home field advantage, I think. So I think that was in Munich, wasn't it? Does that sound right? Or am I thinking of the movie Munich? <laughs> Well, you've planted um, it in my head, so nope, now it sounds nope, right. That in Munich. Yeah. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome and thinking it's Munich. Uh, I, I, I guess we'll lock in with that. Munich, sound good? It might be Berlin, but whatever. We had a discussion. We couldn't remember if it was the 32 Olympics or 36 Olympics that took place in Berlin with uh, had all the sort of political ramifications um, but we couldn't come up with something better. Ken did say Greece. I uh, just want to put that out there because it very possibly could be that. But we actually just went with Berlin. Um, and unlike the movie Munich, which is set in Munich, uh, correct answer here is Berlin. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah, I think we said the Munich Olympics the, for the 70s. Uh, 72, I yeah. believe. All right. So after five in the second round, uh, we've got team entry adding 10 to their score, bringing them up to 70 points. And Team Solo adding another 30 for 125. Question number six. In 1963, John F. Kennedy famously said, Ich bin ein Berliner. An urban legend about this speech is that locals thought he was referring to himself as a Berliner Fahnkuchen, a variety of what food product? I know in German there's like 20 different words that mean this, so... Yeah, that that's a good joke. I like that. Okay, it's not really a joke. Well, I mean, if it was, if he did it on purpose, it would be a good joke. <laughs> Where, yeah, we'll lock in. We're fun cooking in the chat. So I think they're leaning sausage. It sounds like it's uh There's a lot of German words for that, right? It's big. <laughs> what do you know about German German food? Oh, don't don't eat too much German food. Yeah. Nothing against them. There, there is a wiener schnitzel down here. Uh, There's one like a block from me now. Yeah, it's it's a big <laughs> chain out here. And, uh, 
So what do they serve? <laughs> that doesn't help. Corn dogs? Um, what's do you wanna do you wanna just black in with sausage? Yeah, I mean I was thinking like isn't that like a worst is usually Yeah. Like a but I don't know what the other things mean. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, let's keep that train rolling and lock in with sausage. Uh, we guessed sausage. I feel like several pounds of my weight in quarantine have come from this. <laughs> well, the uh, the joke, the urban legend about the JFK Ich bin ein Berliner speech is that he was referring to himself as a jelly donut. Mm. You did say it now that it it rings a bell. Yeah. Question number seven. In geometry, a three-dimensional surface that one could refer to as being donut-shaped is known by what mathematical term? I'll I'll tell you what, Ken. All I know about donuts is I had one for a long time after a procedure, but I couldn't tell you the answer to this question. Is that when you had your your buttock implants? That is correct. (laughs) I, I had abs of steel already. I needed uh, buttocks of titanium. I can't remember the name of this. I, I have absolutely no idea. Geometry. Right, we'll, we'll lock in with something bad. Okay. Um. So I know, I mean, I took, I had to take a lot of math for my major, but not, not a lot of geometry, unfortunately. Doesn't factor into economics too much? You usually don't have to find the area of this item. Thing to find out the root cause of capitalism or whatever I was supposed to be studying. Or prism's like a triangle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, prism's a triangle. But... What would be a round prism? A tube. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a oh my god. Tube. Oh, geez. Uh, tube sphere. I don't know. I love it. Tube sphere. <laughs> I don't know. Man, Sounds like a, a thing. Is that what you're locking in with? Yeah, sure. Matt, it's a Pokemon. No. It is. All right. Well, we said okay. Mobius, which is wrong. But uh, what is it, Jeff? I believe it's a Taurus. Oh. The correct answer is Taurus. T-O-R-U-S. What's that spell the same? What's I'm a Mobius? positive I never learned that. <laughs> What's a Mobius again? Is that the, the type of manscaping Jeff does? <laughs> <laughs> Completely there. Mobius is the one-sided strip that it makes a half twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff's manscaping is a Mobius. Strip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Question number eight: What's your sign? Tina Fey is a Taurus. What is the title of her 2011 memoir? A personality trait that is so very Taurus. We are locked in over here. All right. Well, I wasn't too much of a help, but uh, Sarah seemed to know this one. So what were you thinking? I said bossy pants. Mm, That sounded familiar. So we locked in. So I knew Amy Poehler's was yes, please. Uh, And uh, as far as Tina Fey, I knew it had something to do with boss and that she was wearing a tie. And I think she had like a man's hands or something. And we, we kept going between lady boss and boss lady. And we ended up just locking in with lady boss. Uh, and Sarah's correct correct answer is bossy pants. Um, shouldn't have been watching Boss Baby on repeat. This really, really <laughs> yeah. threw me off. Question nine. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants co-stars Amber Tamblin and America Ferreira 
were among the founders of what advocacy movement and legal defense fund launched in 2018 by numerous Hollywood women in response to the Me Too movement? Mm. All right. You guys are locked in. Um, I wasn't too sure. Uh, Sarah, you think you remember this one? I said time's up. Mm -hmm. And then and then I said we still have a few more minutes. So what was your answer? (laughs) Uh, We locked in with time's up. Okay. Um, we are definitely familiar with the phrase time's up, but we weren't sure if that was the legal fund or not. So we said the We Believe Fund, just as a guess. And again, Sarah is correct. Uh, correct answer is time's up. Mm. Nice job. Right. I didn't realize that was the name of the organization. Yep. I thought yeah, that was just kind of a Or black at the Oscars. It was a whole thing. Yeah. I do remember that. And question number 10, last question of the round. To a trivia nerd, few things mean that time's up more than those last few notes of the Think music from Jeopardy. Originally titled A Time for Tony, the tune earned what composer best known for creations of a different kind an estimated $100 million? Hmm. We are locked in over here. Okay. And uh, Sarah, you said you you had just read this in Alex Trebek's book, right? Yes, but... Yeah, so I, I was pretty sure it was Merv Griffin, and then that sounded familiar to Sarah, so we locked in with Merv Griffin. Yeah, we considered different musicians, but we really stuck with that hint that his creations were of a different kind, and we also said Merv Griffin. Uh, yeah, better known for creating the show than for creating the music for the show. Uh, Tony was his son. He wrote it as a lullaby for his son. Correct answer is Merv Griffin. Hmm. That's a cool fact. Yeah, that would be a nice lullaby. It's a, t- it's a tense lullaby, I think. <laughs> just waiting should... and waiting for the... It was originally written in a minor key. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear it in its original Lydian. Yeah, the baby could only go to sleep if it answered a correct question as the time expired. Uh, Jeff, how are our scores looking? Scores are looking pretty good. Uh, team entry picking up 30 in that second half there, moving their score all the way up to 100. And uh, Team Solo only added 10. They will uh, remain in the lead at 135. What are those final round categories, Adam? So our final round categories, question number one category is the Merv Griffin Show. Question number two category is Reach for the Stars. Question number three category is Jeopardy. Question number four, the category is Wheel of Fortune. And question number five, the category is Monopoly. And those are all shows starring or created by Merv. All of the wagers are locked in, so let's hear those questions. Question number one, category is The Merv Griffin Show. Merv Griffin's announcer and sidekick on The Merv Griffin Show was what veteran British character actor? In the 1930s, he starred as the iconic Butler Jeeves in a series of films and opposite Shirley Temple in the film Heidi. But to my own generation, he's probably best known as the namesake of a chain of fast food fish and chips restaurants. Question number two category is reach for the stars. In 2020, Andrea Gez became the fourth woman to win the Nobel Prize in physics for her work on what celestial objects? Question number three, category is Jeopardy. The double Jeopardy clause, which says, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, is part of which amendment to the U.S. Constitution? Question number four, 
category is Wheel of Fortune. In a traditional Rider Waite tarot deck, the Wheel of Fortune card shows a golden wheel in the sky topped by what partly human mythological creature? Question five, category is Monopoly. In 2006, Hasbro published the Monopoly US Here and Now edition. In this edition, the four railroads are replaced by four airports. They are LAX, O'Hare, JFK, and which fourth airport, which has been the busiest airport in the world for passenger travel since 1998? Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Okay, we'll consider the answers to those questions as we listen to One Wayness. Now that all of the answers are locked in, we can get on to the final round answers. But first, I would be remiss if I didn't remind everyone out there that we have a Patreon where you can support our show directly, patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. A lot of great perks, including bonus episodes and other things there for you to check out. We are very grateful to all of our patrons. They are the ones who have allowed us to really build the show, make it what it is. And we are very proud of that and very thankful for that. So... Yeah, you have some recording equipment sitting in front of you right now that we're excited to employ. Yeah, hopefully our sound will be getting just a little bit better in the coming episodes as we uh, test out some new equipment we are finally able to get. And uh, 
we're really looking forward to that thanks to the patreon supporters all right let's get the questions one more time i believe both teams wagered 20s all the way down right that is correct all right so it's all down to this question number one category was the merv griffin show merv griffin's announcer and sidekick on the merv griffin show was what veteran british character actor in the 1930s, he starred as the iconic butler Jeeves in a series of films and opposite Shirley Temple in the film Heidi. But to my own generation, he's probably best known as the namesake of a chain of fast food fish and chips restaurants. Yeah, I, I wasn't too sure on uh, who this was. Um, I, I couldn't really pull the name. I'm familiar with uh, his background, but uh, we just went the fish and chips angle and figured maybe it's John Silver. Mm. <laughs> um. I thought that I heard something about this guy playing Jeeves for a long time, uh, long-time British actor, and we just locked in with Stephen Fry. Uh, Stephen Fry did indeed play Jeeves, but it was not in the 1930s. Uh, Stephen Fry, still alive. Um, Sarah, you actually, <laughs> Sorry, said, Stephen this, Fry. You actually said this uh, no. joke while you guys were discussing this. Um of Fish and Chips fame, this is Arthur Treacher. Oh. Ooh. Of Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. I don't know that well, establishment. I will force you next time to choose my <laughs> joke answer. There you go. Question number two, category is Reach for the Stars. In 2020, Andrea Ghez became the fourth woman to win the Nobel Prize in Physics for her work on what celestial objects? I believe this is uh, the lady who is able to uh, photograph a black hole, right? So we're going to go with black hole. And I think, Sarah, you knew this one. So what did we say? We said black hole. And you were both correct. She, she was the lady who was able to photograph the black holes. Uh, this is black holes. Question number three, category is Jeopardy. The double jeopardy clause, which says, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, is part of what amendment to the U.S. Constitution? We tried to pull from our knowledge of the Nashley Judd film. It didn't really help. Um, <laughs> and uh, we knew that fifth was, you know, pleading the fifth, and we couldn't decide if it was four, six, or seven. Uh, for some reason, our guts were pulling us towards six. So that is what we locked in with. Um, yeah, we think that this is actually also part of the Fifth Amendment. Uh, and Matt, you are correct. This is uh, the second half of the Fifth Amendment. And now you can't ask that question again. Uh <laughs> 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 I see what you did there. Question number four, category is Wheel of Fortune. In a traditional Rider weight tarot deck, the Wheel of Fortune card shows a golden wheel in the sky topped by what partly human mythological creature? All right, so I was trying to come at this from a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure standpoint since all the characters have powers based on tarot cards. Um, I couldn't remember what this character did, so I wasn't able to get it that way. So we just thought about what would look good on, on the card, and we said mermaid. Oh, that's a good guess. Um, I don't know. We literally couldn't think of the names of any of these kind of things <laughs> outside of Centaur. So we just locked in with Centaur. Well, it is a golden wheel in the sky with a sphinx on top. Mm. Mm. That actually makes a lot of sense in retrospect. And question number five, category is Monopoly. 
In 2006, Hasbro published the Monopoly U.S. Here and Now edition. In this edition, the four railroads are replaced by four airports. They are LAX, O'Hare, JFK, and which fourth airport, which has been the busiest airport in the world for passenger travel since 1998? I wasn't too sure uh, the Monopoly angle, but uh, I have been reading a bunch about airports the last year, and I know that Atlanta is very, very high up there, if not the busiest uh, overtaking O'Hare. So we locked in with Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Sarah, I think you knew this one. And we also said Atlanta. And Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson is correct. All right. And with that final round, getting uh, 20 points taken away from their score, dropping to 115. That's Team Solo. But this week's cream of the crop, they actually just edged out with 120 points. Team Entry, your winner today. All right. I'm doing the living in a nightmare clip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm living in a nightmare, and I am the cream. Great game. Great game, everybody. I've learned I need to watch a lot of movies. <laughs> I don't think I've seen enough. <laughs> it always well, helps. There's plenty of these movies that I haven't seen either. I just read about them on Wikipedia, which is really all you need to know to uh, write or answer a trivia question about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sometimes movies can be a great uh, inroad to things that you don't know anything about. That's usually what I fall back on. Uh, Sarah, thank you for joining us today and also for uh, giving us a, a good beating here in this game. We, we were close, but you definitely uh, came out victorious. Why don't you uh, tell us any shout outs or any plugs for your band? Anything you'd like to talk about before we let you go? Um, shout out my trivia team from last year, uh, Catherine Bigelow, female gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if you want to check out my band, you can find us at entry sl.bandcamp.com. Um, and just thanks for having me. This was really, really fun. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate you reaching out in the first place and happy to meet you. And uh, this game wouldn't have been as fun if it wasn't for the wonderful questions. And that uh, falls on Adam Schollers. Thank you for joining us today. Any last shout outs from you? Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, my weekly Sunday night streaming show, which is called Social Distancing Variety Hour. We talk uh, to artists and musicians and activists and politicians about uh, all sorts of topics, sometimes live performances. Um you can check that out, facebook.com slash social distancing variety hour. It's live Sunday nights on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, uh, archives on YouTube. So uh, do check that out. Um, and thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Adam. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us today. Uh, for Jeff, Ken, Matt, Sarah, Adam, and myself, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. great questions that uh, I was actually able to answer so it made me feel good (laughs) that's what we're here for to make Neil feel good that's right that's why he made Uh, us make this podcast (laughs) yeah right